the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How's your whiteness? I guess you'd have to be white to be able to answer that question, but you hear a lot about whiteness these days. You seem to hear more about that than you hear about blackness or Asianness or Native Americanness or gayness. Uh, that's probably because you're expected to apologize for your whiteness. And when did that start? When did it stop being wrong to generalize about race, races? I, I always thought that was a bad thing. Apparently it's okay now as long as it's whiteness. At least it's okay on CNN where we find the winner of the award that we give out here every week. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week starring John Steigerwald. Yep, and here he is, Don Lemon. Now, I don't even, I actually don't know how to pronounce his name. The only time I hear his name pronounced is by Tucker Carlson, and he calls him Lamont, and I I still don't know if he's kidding, because I've never heard this guy pronounce his own name. Anyway, Don Lemon of CNN talking about the riots at the Capitol with his white buddy, Chris Cuomo. What happened in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol on Wednesday was not about um, preserving some sort of conservative principled you know, ideas. It was not about that. What folks were fighting for in Washington today or against was not about preserving some conservative principle ideas. What happened on Wednesday at the Capitol was about preserving whiteness. That's what this is about. This is the tough conversation that we must have and preserving it in the worst possible way, which is white supremacy. The people out there weren't fighting for, as I said, conservative principles. They were wearing Nazi uh, insignia on their clothing. They were neo-Nazis. They were fascists or fascist supporters. Uh, They were um, members of groups that people in Washington should not be fighting for at this point. And we have to stop framing it and what they're trying to do, framing it in a political lens, because this is not about politics. This is not about politics. This is about people who are there in Washington now and shamefully standing up for people who tried to take over the Capitol because of terrible ideas, because of America, because America, the foundation of America was built on racism, and those people are trying to preserve that. That's, this is not about politics. And so I think we do ourselves a disservice because it's so easy to put it in that frame. Because we can say, oh, well, you know, it gives us it gives us an easy way out so that we don't have to have this the tough talk about talking about the origins of this country. Well, it depends on who the us is. You want well, a tough question? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Here's a tough question uh, that I've been hearing a little bit recently. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish and then you can ask me the tough question. So I think that. We, we've got to get, we've, in order to do ourselves, meaning the country, any good, we've got to get down to the nitty-gritty of what this is. And it is about what I said, and I stand by it, preserving whiteness in the worst possible way. Unbelievable. This guy, could he be more obsessed with whiteness? And by the way, did you notice he mentioned America is founded on racism? That's now... Uh, accepted fact among uh, many, if not most, liberals these days. Maybe his gayness has something to do with it. I don't know. Whatever. It's enough to make himself the winner of this week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week Award. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Man, when we come back, Selena Zito on what happened to Donald Trump this time. Stick around.
by now you've heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want. They maintain their shape. Made in the USA. For a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a standard queen premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. Originally sixty nine ninety eight. That's a forty dollar savings. Kings are only five dollars more. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, $29.98 for a standard queen premium, but Mike is extending his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and a $10 coupon using code PETS. Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950. Much cheaper than replacing your carpets. Parents, let's be honest. Many high school and college age kids seem to have little direction these days. That might be true for your son or daughter. They spend a lot of time gaming, hanging with friends, but nothing seems to lead them on a path to adulthood. You may want them to go to a four-year university, but nah, their grades just don't warrant it. Their lack of passion and direction makes you wonder if a four-year university would even be a wise investment. Here's a better route to consider. The Full Stack Software Development Program from Steve Wozniak. Available through SalemCareerHub.com. They'll learn real-life work skills that are marketable and in high demand right now. And at SalemCareerHub.com, you can sign up for these courses at 50% off their regular price. Talk it over with your kids and get them out of the basement. They're probably as anxious as you are to move forward and just need a little push. The place to start? SalemCareerHub.com. You can also call 866-711-6275, 866-711-6275, or SalemCareerHub.com. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Donald Trump's still president, but uh, a week from today, unless one of those crazy end-of-the-world scenarios out there on the Internet comes true, uh, a week from today we'll we'll be in day three of the Joe Biden administration. A little over four years ago, uh, Selena Zito was one of the very few people who predicted a Trump win. She wrote about it in her book, Revolt, Inside the Populist Coalition Reshaping American Politics. She's also a columnist at the Washington Examiner, New York Post, and I don't know, I probably can't count all the places where she is, but she, she joins us now. Selena, thanks for being here. I hate to leave some uh, some places out, but, you know, I can't. I don't have all day here. <laughs> Wall Street Journal, that's the other place. But thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Do you think uh, Joe Biden won? That has to be my first question. 
Um, look, I know there were a lot of, uh, you know, publications ahead of the, uh, of the election, uh, a lot of things that uh, were not or should have been or couldn't have been addressed before, before the vote. But, you know, the problem has been in our state, and I'm just specifically thinking, saying our state, is, you know, I, and I heard you had me on the show. I said there were concerns about voters not turning out in, um, in Erie and Northampton and, and that, that Trump had, had a problem with senior citizens and that I thought that if he lost, it would be because he lost the seniors. All of that sort of thing that I saw in my reporting bared out. Now, maybe he didn't lose by as much, but, you know, I do believe he lost the election in our state. Now, um, why would he have lost senior citizens? Uh, I know Uh, the Democrats had their usual every four years he's going to take Social Security away. I mean, that's every four years. That was was part of it. Um, But also the big part was his comportment. Um, oh, okay. uh, in particular, in particular, um, um, not just in that uh, first debate on September 29th, mm-hmm. but also after he received COVID, after he got COVID. Now, interestingly enough, John, seeing uh, young conservatives, um, conservatives under the age of 45, um, thought they were, you know, the way he thought that, that he was vigorous and robust after um, COVID, and they thought that was a good thing. But there were a lot of senior citizens that, for a variety of different reasons, either had still been stuck at home um, and or hadn't seen their family uh, and or weren't able to recover with the same robust way that he was. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, that, that had a negative impact. There were also a lot of, you know, there's a lot of grandparents um, who see their children struggle because they're working from home or they've lost their job, their kids are going to school from home. And, and there was this sort of psychological thing where they were unhappy with, with, with how um, he handled that moment. You combine that with the um, uh, with the his behavior at that first debate, not the second one, but the first one, and and you know there was support that was lost in the in that sort of week right there, and and I didn't just see that with people I interviewed, I also saw that in internal polling, like that was his worst week, where he dropped down really far. He dropped at sometimes at 11 points down. And, you know, while he did come back, I don't know, obviously he didn't come back enough to, to uh, win those voters, voters over. This is my problem with uh, early voting because sometimes people make a snap decision um, yeah. because they're mad or they're angry or whatever, you know, and I, I know a lot of people decided at that, you know, in that space of time, and then, you know, may have started to regret it afterwards, but they mailed in their ballot or they did, you know, early voting, whatever it may be. And, um, and I think that's what, what, what contributed to him losing. Look, he lost narrowly. Uh, and, and if you would, if you would have looked at the polls on October 1st or October 2nd or October 3rd, he really was down a lot, and um, and I'm not talking about public polls. I'm talking about internal polls, and even mm-hmm. you know interviewing people. You know, I saw that people were really like unhappy with that, like that that little time period right there. Yeah. So you know what I don't get though, Selena, is that. Yeah. Um, and I don't disagree. I mean, you're the you're the expert here, but what I don't get is that. Uh, you had this populist movement that you wrote about in your book, and these people just uh, that voted for him loved the fact that he was not a politician and that he, yep. you know, that he he was a maverick, and and it was a it was a choice between him 
and Joe Biden. It'd be different if he was running against John F. Kennedy. But, I mean, he, he was running against Joe <laughs> Biden. And these people chose Joe Biden, or did they ch- choose to stay home? Okay, so so this populist coalition did, did stay together. One of the most important things I think people really haven't paid attention to, and I've written about it several times, is if you look at the, if you look at the results, take away the, take away the presidential results. If you look at the results, if just, let's just talk our state, state treasurer, auditor general, the, the state legislative body, these, uh, and, you know, Senate and House, they were, and, and, and two Republican House seats that were supposed to all go, uh, uh, Scott Perry, and Brian Fitzpatrick. These are all supposed to go, right? They were all going to lose. Democrats were going to get the state house. Um, they were going to get the state senate. Not only did they not win any of the competitive races they were part of, um, they lost them. They lost them big. And they didn't gain one new state house and state senate seat. The Republican mm-hmm. populist conservative coalition became younger. It became more diverse. And it became bigger. And, and a lot, uh, I interviewed so many people who, who sat on their hands uh, with Trump, uh, but, um, but went out and voted for people um, like Devlin Robinson, um, who beat Pam Iovino, or Rob McCurry, who beat um, Emily, oh, I'm going to forget her name, um, and Skopik. And so, yeah. and so th- that, that, sense of still being part of this conservative populist coalition was still there. And also, you, you have to also remember that Trump gained more voters. Trump gained more seats. I mean, I mean, he gained more raw voters. He had more voters than, that voted for him than they did for, um, uh, for him in 2016. That's Stunned people. People had a level of expectation that he was not going to get as many voters in 2016. I know it upset a lot of Democratic strategists who just could not imagine one more voter supporting him. So mm-hmm. it's just that, you know, a lot of it just comes down to comportment. And for a lot of people, he was too much for them. Yeah. Now, Everything you just said there makes perfect sense, but it's also, it sounds like an argument that I heard so many times after the election that uh, for people who said there's no way that he lost Pennsylvania. If, 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 uh, yeah, you know, I, know. The, I, I figured you were going to say that. <laughs> but it, it, I understand thinking that. But having talked to people that did mm-hmm. just what I said, uh-huh. it, you know, just getting out there and listening to people and saying, hey, what did you do? what happened here? Um, you know, and, and for the most part, most Trump voters stuck together. But there was enough. I mean, when you think about it, it's not that many people that he lost, lost uh, by in our state. But, um, you know, I could see, I mean, I saw it in Erie. I saw in particular among senior citizens. Um, and, you know, they just, they just didn't want to do it. And and I wrote about it several times saying this this could be the problem, um, and and um, they they needed to do a better effort, um, with the exception of just his personality, but giving these voters other reasons to come out. Uh, that was the thing that was missing from this campaign. You need well, to have it can't just be on someone's personality. You have well, to not- remind them. You have to remind them, look, look what happened with judges. Look what happened with um, the Abraham Accord. Uh, something that should have been like, we should still be talking about that. It was so historic and so important. And yet yeah. nobody talked about it at all. And they no. didn't talk enough about those things. You have to remind voters of, of why this is better for you. Yeah, and I think if you look back on it, um, most of the time was spent. Uh, I mean, he 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 he's very uh, willing to talk about his own accomplishments, but as you said, 
he didn't he didn't get specific no. about things like that, and it was more about uh, look at Joe Biden. You don't want this guy as president. He's, right. He doesn't you know what day it is. And... Just, yeah. So, so, psychologically, you have to remind voters why it was important to vote for you. It can't just be about different personalities. It can't be that just the other guy is bad. You have to give them concrete reasons. Um, in particular, um, if, if, if um, you know, maybe they didn't vote for you the first time. Because all the people that voted here for him the first time showed up. I mean, they were there. Yeah. But, you, you know, Joe Biden, for all of his weaknesses, he was also not Hillary Clinton. And, and, and um, he, I don't think that, that, that uh, Trump quite understood that. I always had this sort of sense that, you know, while, while he ran a very effective and good campaign against Hillary Clinton, there was a part of him that respected why she was where she was. So he never sort of took her for granted. And I mm-hmm. never, and I always got the sense that Trump didn't believe that Biden belonged even on the stage with him. And so I think he dismissed him just a just enough that um, he didn't take, he and their campaign didn't take the, um, the, 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 the possibility that voters would um, support him. We're talking to Selena Zito. She's a author, a co-author of the book Revolt Inside the Populist Coalition: Reshaping American Politics. Uh, Selena, can um, can anybody but Trump lead the populist movement in in 2024? Is it or is it? I mean, Absolutely. is it dead? Here's here's the thing. This is why the book was so important. This this populist coalition, this conservative populist coalition was never about him. It was always about people's lives, their families, their communities, um, and where they be- and, and how sort of the cultural curators in the world were treating them. What do I mean by that? Like corporations or big tech or even the NFL. You know, this was, this was a rejection of, of how they have been sort of viewed or treated or squeezed by all these entities as well as the left. And so this coalition existed before he came down that escalator. And as I pointed out, it's not only gotten bigger, it's gotten younger, it's gotten more diverse, and it, and it placed more Republicans in office this year um, than, than, than it has in, in several years. I have so about a minute words, and a half left. What, what, what does that say uh, for the Democrats? Uh, are, are they aware of that? They, they think this is all about Joe Biden, but uh, they have to be worried then if what you're saying is true. Absolutely. The, the, the complaint always was, or the, the rub on Trump always was, is that he was a black swan, right? This would never happen again. I would mm-hmm. argue that this coalition totally stays together. The black swan, to me, is Joe Biden. He is not reflective of what uh, uh, his coalition stands for, and it was just—he's just sort of a fluke and/or a placeholder, uh, and and not really what the Democratic coalition uh, is about. I have uh, less than a minute left, and I'm up against a hard break, so. Will Joe Biden still be president two years from now? I'm asking everybody that question. <laughs> I have no idea. Come on, I you got. I, I want. No you, I, if you were to, if I were to tell you, you had to bet fifty dollars one way or the other. Where would you put your money? I, I've never placed a bet in my life. You're not oh, gonna. Okay. You're not gonna make me take that yeah. bet. But I will tell you this: I don't think we know what, what, what our political landscape is going to look like in six months, let alone yeah. two years from now. It, it, we're just the beginning of this. We're nowhere near the end. Hey, Selena, I, I really appreciate you coming on. As always, great stuff. And uh, just for the record, I'm I'm saying that Valentine's Day might be a good time. <laughs> the over under <laughs> is Valentine's Day, and I'm leaning toward the under. But thanks for being on. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Bye bye. We'll be right back. 
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Governors in some states have called out the National Guard, declared states of emergency, and closed their Capitol buildings over concerns about potentially violent demonstrations. Though details remain murky, demonstrations are expected at state capitals beginning on Sunday and leading up to President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration on Wednesday. President-elect Biden will use the Defense Production Act to expand the production of the COVID-19 vaccine and vaccination supplies as part of a wide-ranging plan to deliver on his pledge to vaccinate 100 million people in his first 100 days. Biden's first and perhaps biggest challenge in getting there will be addressing vaccine shortages in health systems across the United States. Stocks closing lower on Wall Street. The Dow fell 177. The Nasdaq off 114 points. And the S&P was down 27. This is SRN News. Some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program it's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs, too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. AM 1250, The Answer, The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. Every single last one of those people should be arrested and go to jail. Every last one of them. I don't care if you were putting your feet up on Nancy Pelosi's table or banging down doors. Every last one of them should be arrested and go to jail. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250, The Answer. Election fraud, radical abortion rights, open borders, riots in our streets, and regime changes in other nations. Meet George Soros, an atheist and one of the most dangerously influential people in America, pouring millions of dollars into the leftist agenda, instigating society's demoralization to control a free people and destroy the foundations of Christianity and our constitutional order. Watch the new film. Billionaire radical George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com. See the movie that George Soros and the far left don't want you to see. Learn the truth and prepare to be shocked. Billionaire radical George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com for just $9.99 or buy the DVD for just $12.99. Go to SalemNow.com. Get 20% off with promo code Pittsburgh. That's SalemNow.com. Promo code Pittsburgh. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities. But they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines. A tough and determined few dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred. And still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title Marine. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Seeing that busy ride on the parkway east outbound. Just a lot of volume delays. Boulevard of the Allies out to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel altogether. About an extra 10 minutes. Parkway West looking slightly busy inbound between Banksville Road and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Look for long-term construction on 28 between the Highland Park Bridge and Delafield Avenue. Waterfront Drive, that is shut down for construction for the year between Fort Duquesne Boulevard and 21st Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight. 
cloudy this evening, with a rain or snow shower in some areas. Then, partly cloudy skies late. Keep an eye out for icy spots below 27. A few snow showers tomorrow, mainly cloudy and windy with a high of 35. Considerable cloudiness for Sunday, breezy with a flurry and a high 36. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Here we are starting another weekend, and His Excellency Tom Wolf and Aunt Rachel were nice enough to allow restaurants and bars to be open, sort of. Uh, they're still supposed to be at 50%. When this is finally over, a lot of businesses will be out of business, and there will be lots of questions about if it is all because of government overreaction. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya of Sanford University was part of a study that seems to say it was a little bit of a, a big overreaction, actually. He joins us now. Jay, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, for whom was this study done that you did, and, and what was your goal? Uh, so we published it in the European Journal of Clinical Investigation. The goal was to assess whether the lockdowns, like the, the business closures, school closures, and whatnot, whether they were really effective in slowing its disease spread versus less restrictive measures, you know, uh, social distancing recommendations, um, uh, recommendations about masks and others. Those, uh, so we, we, we used data from 10 different countries and we compared. What we found is that, in fact, the more restrictive lockdowns are actually not associated with better results. And the, the, you can get basically very similar results with much better public health messaging without the, the, the closure orders. Now, and so how many, there were 10 countries... Yeah, 10. So England, France, Germany, Iran, Italy, Netherlands, Spain, South Korea, Sweden, and the U.S. Now, is there any um, one in, country that, that stands out in the severity of its lockdowns? Well, so the, 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 the comparison group was Sweden and South Korea tended to have much more uh, sort of less restrictive measures. They didn't have mandatory business closures uh, in the same way as most of the rest of the countries. And that each country had different regions with sort of slightly different policies also. So we accounted for that in our, in our analysis. Um, and when you, when you put it all together, you don't find any evidence that the lockdowns, the, the severe business closure sort of maximal lockdowns did anything to actually uh, to result in longer-term better outcomes. Is there any but, one... Uh, it, it, we, have, we have 50 uh, different governments in the U.S. with 50 different, different approaches, um, most of those other countries, or all of them, did, did they have? Were, were they one size fits all lockdowns, or did they have a? Did they break it up into different parts of their countries? Yeah, they they broke. So many of them had different uh, policies for urban centers and other. So it's 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 uh, it's more complicated than each country has its own. Of course, the U.S. You're absolutely right. Uh, Fifty states, fifty different policies, but actually, it's even more complicated because. Uh, like just take California where I live, different counties have had different policies as well. So it's a little bit complicated uh, situation as far as the policies goes. It, it took a lot of work to sort of tease, tease all that apart. But uh, so how do you measure the severity and the results for each country? So it, here in this paper, we were basically looking at a very simple, simple definition. Right? So the stay-at-home orders and business closures were the two main sort of things that distinguished a, a sort of a, a, a severe lockdown versus a less severe lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do more. Uh, you, you know, you could you could go get more detail. But we, because it's such a large number of places to look at, we wanted to characterize the lockdowns in terms of the, the most severe and see if, if there's any evidence that they actually had any long-term effect. Um, I think this is, this makes sense because if you think about what the the worst problems caused by the lockdown, it's really these most severe ones, ones that require you to stay at home altogether um, or, or force you to close your businesses. Those have had enormous negative effects outside of COVID. And so to, to understand whether they really have been necessary to control COVID, I think is really important. Actually, can I, can I circle back to something as to why I think we got the result we got? Um, if you think about lockdowns as as if we are all little rats in cages and we're separated from each other, locked in, you might think it would be effective in slowing disease spread. But in fact, humans are not like that. People are not like that. Uh, the lockdowns for people who are relatively well off were actually not that bad. You can stay at home. People will deliver groceries to you. People will deliver uh, whatever you want to you. And you can actually isolate. If you're poor, that's not possible. 
I mean, eventually, uh, you have to you have to go out. You have to work. If you're if you're an essential worker, um, you have to work. Um, and the lockdowns can't actually separate people for a very long time. It, the lockdowns it, essentially are a luxury of the rich. It's um, yeah, it's a good point. If if you are living in a really nice house um, with a you know few acres surrounding you, or a nice big uh, house in a nice suburban neighborhood with an acre lot, it's a lot easier to stay home than if you're living in a in a inner city or in a in an urban area where it ain't that much fun to stay home. It's not all that yeah. pleasant. You you want to get out. Yeah, I mean, and I think like just to take schooling for instance, schools around across the country have been closed. Well, what has what has that done? Essentially, if you're if you're relatively well off, you can hire tutors, you can create little pods, um, you can substitute many ways for the the, the lack of in person schooling. You can send your kids to private school. If you're poor, well, you're kind of stuck. I mean, your your kids are going to get a much worse educational outcome. Um, the lockdown in that again in that in that case really just hurts the hurts the poor. Yeah, but how how many uh, studies do we have to see? That that shows that um, how many studies do we have to see that show that um, this, the the virus is not spread in schools before they just say okay we're going back to normal just open the schools up I mean every day I see a different study that shows that I mean uh, this is one of these policies where the U S really has been unique we we closed our schools through much of the epidemic especially our public schools through much of the epidemic. Most of the rest of the countries on, on, in the world have kept have made every attempt to keep them open. Actually, have kept them open even in the face of rising cases. Um, it's a, it, that is an absolutely enormous mistake. Um, I think that, that, you know, that we're going to be paying the cost for our kids are going to be paying the cost for for a very long time. We're talking to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya of uh, Stanford. He was part of a study that uh, looked at different countries' lockdowns and and how they were how how much they worked or didn't work and the uh, the the uh, conclusion seems to be that they don't work very much. Is is Sweden going uh, Jay going to end up being the country that that got it right? I think they did some things wrong. I think, for instance, like just like New York, they they in the early days of the epidemic, uh, and even now actually, they, they they haven't protected the nursing homes as much as they ought to have. But in other ways, they got it right. So like the the giving good public health messages and saying, okay, don't don't gather in very large groups now. When uh, it, you know, here's some steps you can take uh, and not locking society down uh, in, in a very draconian way. That actually, they got it right. A lot of the non-COVID mortality sources actually got better in Sweden. Um, I mean, they've had sort of more COVID uh, deaths than I, I think would, was, would, if they've done some things better. But at the same time, they don't have more cancer deaths. They don't have more heart disease deaths. They don't have more the psychological harms associated with lockdowns because they've just done good public health policy around that, trying to maximize holistically health as opposed to just to infection control but um so here we are we're still i mean i'm here in pennsylvania and we still uh have a lot of schools that are are not open we have restaurants that are at 50 percent and we just went through like a a three-week period over the christmas holiday uh where the, the restaurants were shut down um what what Will it take? I mean, you've done this study. You've done. They had the Great Barrington Declaration, where you sh- you showed uh, uh, what terrible damage these lockdowns and all the, some of the other uh, efforts by government have uh, the damage that they've done. Again, the same question: What's it going to take to convince the people in government that they're wrong? That they that this stuff isn't working? You know, actually, for the first time in a long while, I'm kind of hopeful. I mean, I think um, Pennsylvania hasn't done such a good job at this, but like many states are starting to vaccinate older people. Mm-hmm. Older people are the ones who are the highest risk from this disease. I think 80% of people that have died are over the age of 65. COVID. Um, right. Once we've vaccinated the, the majority of the vast majority of the older, older population, the death rates from this disease will start to decline very sharply. We need to do that as quickly as we possibly can prioritize vaccinating older people. Um, and once that's done, I think that the demand for the lockdowns, which is basically driven by fear, will drop because mm-hmm. the, the fangs of the disease, the disease, you know, the, 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 the fangs which kill people that are older, are more, you know, actually even for older people, the survival rate, by the way, is 95%, right? So it's, I, I don't want to overstate this, but... Even with older people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so even, but, but still, it's, it's uh, once the disease... Um, once we vaccinate the, old, the vulnerable, 
I think that the, that uh, I'm actually hopeful that the demand for the lockdown will sort of start to disappear. I think they're starting to see that already. Well, meanwhile, here's a here's a story on Vox. Uh, this is uh, dated today. Today's the fifteenth, right? I think. Um, yep. The headline is still going to the grocery store with new virus variants spreading. It's probably time to stop. So you can imagine what this story says. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, just, if you're rich, that's a great thing. That's a great piece of advice. Get someone else to go and expose themselves in, in yeah. place of you. I mean, it's, the lockdowns are a luxury of the rich, and you can see it in those kinds of headlines. They're trying to spread fear, and who can afford that? Well, the people that can afford that, fine. But if you're if you're not rich, well, you're just uh, you know they, they don't even consider what they're actually doing when they give advice like that. They, 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 you know, if I if I um am am uh, can afford to do DoorDash every day, fine. But that's not that's not true for most of the American population. Yeah, it says here uh, stopping shopping for five minutes in the grocery store is a lot better, six times better than shopping for thirty minutes. Said. Tom Frieden, the former director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, since the odds of becoming infected rise, the longer you're exposed. See, here's the thing, Jay. I I read these stories. They're, you know, they're they're well intentioned. I think by the per- people who do the stories, if not the people who they're uh, focusing on. At least the people who do the stories think they're doing a service and they believe in all this. And I and I'll read it, and it might take me ten, fifteen minutes to read the story, and it looks like it's been well researched and blah blah blah. And I still have the same question at the end. Uh, run that uh, that survival rate by me again. It's still ninety nine percent. I mean, it's yeah, if you're if you're under seventy, it's ninety nine point nine five percent survival from this disease. Uh, if not, actually, there's a good point that God brought out of the story. Like if if um, if you're older, you probably should have if you can avoid it, go not go to the grocery store. So why right. why hasn't that policies? Provided support for older people to give gro- to, to grocery deliveries to them. Instead, we said, "Oh no, let's lock down." You, stay well, you know what home. they did here I, I, when this uh, insanity first started uh, here in Pennsylvania uh, back in uh, April or so. They, they, the uh, the supermarket, the main supermarket, Giant Eagle is the name is a, is the major uh, yeah. place here. I don't know if the other ones did it. But they uh, they wouldn't let you in the supermarket unless you were over sixty or something like that. I forget what the, the age limit was, but that that's a targeted. Here, if you if you're worried about yeah. catching the disease, we're going to only allow people who are of a certain age to come in and shop for the first hour and a half that we're open. Why is that hard? Yeah, but that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's that's goes a little ways. But we what we should have done is, instead of just saying. Everyone stay at home, so only the rich can afford to do that, right? Yeah. Um, what we should have done is we said, if you're older and you have a, and you need groceries, we'll help you, right? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll 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 sponsor uh, uh, like a, a, a you know, someone to deliver the groceries to you. Um, you know, like we could have used we spent trillions, John, on this. We could have spent some of those trillions on common sense policies to help the vulnerable not get exposed. Even if you're, if it's only 16 and under, 16 under hour, that's fine, but there might still be someone with COVID there, right? That's possible. Yeah. Instead, what we should have done is just give support for the vulnerable so they can, whether they're rich or poor, uh, 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 reduce their risk of, of exposure. Instead, what we did is we protected the rich, even the non-vulnerable rich, from exposure yeah. while exposing the poor. It's it's crazy. Um, and here's a quote. Uh, we're talking to Jay Bhattacharya of Stanford University. He did the study uh, about the effectiveness of lockdowns. And here's here's the here's a quote from the study. Uh, the conclusion, Jay. Quote: We do not question the role of all public health interventions or of coordinated communications about the epidemic, but we fail to find an additional benefit of stay-at-home orders and business closures. Now, unquote. If my restaurant went out of business, I think I'd be pretty annoyed by that statement. Uh, what's been the reaction from the governments that created the lockdowns? So they, uh, you know, that's there isn't it's funny, any. I started to see some thawing, right? Like I saw uh, uh, Governor Cuomo uh, start to say, "Look, we, we need to start opening up a little bit." Uh, and, and I saw yeah. Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago say, "Like, that, yep. look, maybe we shouldn't." Our, our, I mean, I think there's starting to be some 
uh, second thoughts and some, some, I mean, and you, you know what? I welcome it. I, it's, I don't think, I don't want to, it's not actually productive to like point fingers. It was, it was a tough time, but I do think we should going forward. We absolutely should start uh, opening. I mean, it's opening up while I mean, I, I think that, that sentence, I completely believe we still should be providing good public health advice and support for the vulnerable rapidly get out the vaccine to the vulnerable. And, and then, as the death rates come down, which they will after the, after we've vaccinated the vulnerable, um, I, I think we'll see a completely different environment. I'm actually hopeful for the first time in months. Yeah, do you do you think that uh, the uh, comments from the mayor of Chicago and the governor of New York have anything to do with Joe Biden being inaugurated a week from or not not a week from today, but Wednesday? <laughs> no, I try not to be cynical. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, but when this is over, uh, Jay, is, is the debate going to be about who overreacted the most? And will there be much debate about whether there was a massive overreaction? I don't know how long it's. I don't, I'm not, I don't know how long I'm talking about down the road, but at some point, I think I think the only debate will be whether the harms from the lockdown were, were two or three orders of magnitude worse than COVID. You know, 130 million people at risk of starvation worldwide. I think there's already like some 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 eight million people have starved worldwide. Um, as a consequence of the economic harm the lockdowns, uh, the, the cancer rates are going to go up. Uh, diabetes, uh, with bad outcomes for diabetes, vaccinations were, were stopped in much of the much of the developing world. We're going to see the resurgence of many, many, many uh, uh, sort of previously controlled other infectious diseases. Um, we're going to be counting the, the education loss. Is I mean, like just think about the the year of kids five, six, seven years old in, in the U.S that won't know how to read. We're going to have a mm-hmm. literacy problem again. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is, um, we're going to be counting these costs for a very long time. And, and uh, uh, I just, I think that's really the only issue. Like how bad are they? Uh, and, and what will normal look like, uh, Jay, when this is over? And when will we get there? That's the question. I mean, I know that's not, that, I'm just asking you to take a stab mm-hmm. at it, I guess. I, I, I think normal will look like normal. I don't yeah. think that people, yeah, I do. I think once the, the vulnerable are protected with the vaccine, um, the demand for the lockdowns will go away. The fear will start to dissipate. I think starting in, by, I don't know, April, I mean, I think that's, that's probably the latest I would imagine it would take to, to, to actually vaccinate the, the, all the vulnerable um, if, we, if we decide to do that. Um, the, 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 it will start to feel like normal, and by the summer, it'll, it'll just feel normal. I, I, I really, that's my, that's my, um, my best stab at that. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm an optimistic guy, so I've been wrong about this kind of thing before because I, I, I figure people will start to look at the data. But that's what the, I think uh, the data are showing us, and I really am hopeful for the first time in months that that's the case. Hey, Jay, I always appreciate you having on, and uh, it's great that you're so accessible because you're a well-sought-after guy with all the studies you've been doing on this, and you make way too much sense, I'll just tell you that. But I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Sounds always an honor. Take care. Okay, that's Jay Bhattacharya. He's a doctor of medicine and economics at Stanford. We'll be right back. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through dollar bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood, and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. The Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Squares Sweepstakes is back. It's the largest official game of Super Bowl Squares ever with millions of dollars in prizes. And best of all, it's free to enter. Every score change, someone wins $50,000. Just enter for free at RocketMortgageSquares.com and it could be you. 
touchdowns, field goals, safeties, extra points. Every single score change will draw one lucky winner from the square to win $50,000. Plus, two grand prize winners will win a half a million dollars they could use toward their dream home. One way to enter, two ways to win. See rules and enter for free at rocketmortgagesquares.com. Then tune into the Super Bowl on February 7th to see if you bring home some dough. Rocket Mortgage, official mortgage sponsor of Super Bowl 55. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of 50 U.S. and D.C. of age of majority. Ends 2-4-2021, 11-59 p.m. Eastern. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. The NFL entities as defined in the official rules have not offered to sponsor this promotion in any way. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Yeah, let's finish the week with my favorite website, BabylonB.com. B-A-B-Y-L-O-N-B-E-E.com. This is from today. The least, this is a headline, the least masculine society in human history decides masculinity is a growing threat. It has a picture of a guy with a man bun. And it says, as society becomes increasingly dominated by nerds, hipsters, and computer programmers, people have fixated on what they think is our biggest problem, masculinity. It's just toxic and causes problems, uh, said Alicia McEwen, a vegan activist and no threat whatsoever to spiders or tight jar lids. I was sharing my feelings on masculinity with other men in my drum circle, and we all agreed that if we ever encountered masculinity, we would run far away. Masculinity is said to have in the past been on the, uh, the cause of such things as violence, war, bullying, defeating the Nazis, carving society out of untamed wilderness, and landing men on the moon. But now masculinity is being driven out of society to make sure like, nothing like those things ever happens again. However, there are reports that masculinity still lurks out there, which is a source of anxiety to modern men and causes them to have upset tummies. I am just so worried that somewhere out there, someone is still knowingly producing testosterone, said Wyatt Lockhart, a Twitch streamer who had never thrown a punch outside of a video game. I constantly have to find a safe place to calm down just thinking about it. Duke Miller, a Marine sergeant and one of the few remaining examples of traditional masculinity, was asked about his feelings on the negative view of masculinity, but he seemed confused by the word feelings and then punched out an elk. Just because. I love that thing. BabylonB.com. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks to Mike and Darren for uh, their help. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of The Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.